Welcome back, everybody. Uh, last time, if you were with us, well, the first time we introduced ourselves and the last time we talked a lot about Twilight, and now we're talking about things a much broader section of the population actually cares about, Harry Potter. <laughs> if you wanted the real people in, then, you know, you don't start with, anyway, you guys remember those vampire stories everyone made fun of in 2005? All right, fine. <laughs> we'll start again, since you're offended. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even talk about Twilight in the same breath. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Rancarisy okay. and the third episode, which is the Harry Potter episode. Specifically, it's an introduction to Harry Potter. So, you know, we're not going to talk about anything too in-depth here. A few things that are important to cover of what we'll be talking about, but we're not going to be talking about, for example, Remus Lupin's unbelievably terrible life of misery. He is not in this episode. Yeah, we will just be talking about very um, generic what we think about Harry Potter and what you can expect from this podcast if you want to listen about Harry Potter. Because as you will recall, this is a podcast where we have very strange opinions and you will get uh, sort of insight into that. So with that out of the way, what is Harry Potter? Did you miss the past 25 years in uh, of Western media? I think we should do very sorry introductions. So Okay. <laughs> yes, no, no, I Harry just Potter. had to ask that. But yes, no, go on. Harry Potter, what is it? It is about a, a young boy who finds out that he is magical and he's going to go to a visiting school called Hogwarts. He also finds out that he is the happy survivor or the lucky survivor. Happy isn't the word for it when he's an orphan. The lucky survivor of an attack on his family that left his parents dead and himself with a lightning bolt scar, and he somehow vanquished the Dark Lord. Uh, over the course of the series, he proceeds to um, foil the Dark Lord's plan in various ways while the uh, Dark Lord cries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say, while no. the Dark Lord does things for six months of the year and then suddenly shows up in May... Yeah, but I mean, I would definitely cry if I was getting defeated by the same kid over and over and over and over. I know, starts but, when he's uh, a toddler, just downhill from there. Somehow it gets worse from there. It gets worse. But yes. <laughs> the, the, the thing about this defeating uh, Voldemort is that we are very often told that Harry Potter has the power of love, while Voldemort is evil because he is not capable of love. And to get straight to it... Yeah, as a caveat, uh, JKR has had many interviews on this subject and uh, her thoughts and opinions. And we are not discussing that. The author is dead in this podcast. And similarly, we're not gonna venture near Pottermore because that is a black hole of stuff. Nonsense. Not gonna go there. Nonsense. I was going to be polite. <laughs> I was being polite. There's no being polite about Pottermore. Sorry, JK, but <laughs> anyway, it's pretty bad thing about this whole power of love, who is capable of it and who isn't, is that we only really have one source of it within canon. And the thing about that is that Dumbledore is extremely suspect. He is grooming Harry. Or people will say, oh no, it's not grooming because you're Dumbledore stands. But Dumbledore's end goal here is to have Harry willing to kill himself to get Voldemort dead. And he is pretty clearly ostracizing Voldemort as, as much as possible, making him look 
you know, inhuman so that Harry will be willing to die to that end. The whole Voldemort is evil thing is said. The only person saying it in those terms within canon is someone who is saying it to a person that he is grooming, that he has a very specific reason to dehumanize Voldemort. What I was going to say there is that this is not to say that Voldemort was secretly good the whole time or that he didn't do these atrocious, terrible acts. He does have a lake filled with zombies. That's uh, not good. But we'll it's get more good. into him later. But what we're saying is that is that Dumbledore is a very suspect source of information. And whatever you believe about him, he has reasons to say very particular things and very good reason to lie. Or not even lie, to have a very biased point of view. Because Dumbledore is his own bag of words that there seem to be certain things he believes about the world that point to his upbringing and things he personally has gone through that make it a very strange viewpoint. The interesting thing about Harry Potter is you can take nothing for granted. Uh, we will be talking a lot about uh, the Half-Blood Prince because within that book we see, and it's very telling, uh, <laughs> a lot of things. But the way Dumbledore chooses these memories to show how evil Tom Riddle is, it's just, it is very They are much choice high. memories. They are we not only choice members, that. but it is, they are very, a lot of them are perfectly innocuous, if not all of them. And, uh, I, I don't remember <laughs> yeah. that, uh, right now, but they are very innocuous. And we get these explanations of how the way 11-year-old Tom Riddle was upset about his closet being lit on fire make, means he was very evil. That's a bad <laughs> kid, Harry. And that's so telling of not just Dumbledore's process with Harry, but also of Dumbledore himself and the way he views the world and the way he views Tom Riddle. Okay, to take the 10-foot uh, view of this, the point here is that Dumbledore is one of the few intelligent sources of information we have about the villain, about how the way the world works. And he is extremely unreliable for a variety of reasons. And what this means is that you can trust nothing about the Harry Potter world. There is no source of information that does not have a strong bias or reason to lie or reason to think something about it. Information that comes to Harry that he learns, you have to take it all with a very large grain of salt because it may not be correct and it more than likely reflects the views of whoever happens to be telling it to him. One example that is very markedly canon is the Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry learns that Sirius Black betrayed his parents, and we see all these people talking trash about Sirius Black and how, in retrospect, they always knew he was a bad egg or that they may have never seen it coming. And then, oh my God, you know, Peter Pettigrew turned out to be this heroic figure that None of them saw, and what a wonderful man he was. And then it turns out Sirius Black was innocent and Peter Pettigrew was not. Now, that obviously was something J.K.R. intended, but it goes to show that Harry is oftentimes fed information that is incorrect. Not because necessarily anyone's lying to him. They may not have the information either, but it is something you must suspect because it may not be true. I'll also just add that it goes to uh, uh, goes for information about Harry himself as well. The whole he has the power of love thing, which uh, as you probably guessed by now, we will be getting into. But basically, this is something we're told and we're never shown. Harry Potter is about. Didn't we cover that? Uh, sort of. Well, we covered the basic. This is what do we, the heretics with the dunce caps, oh, yes, that they're yes, all listening yes. to, think it's about? They want the yeah, heresy well, now. Well. Uh, 
It is about a very dystopian society. It's sort of it's a very entertaining dystopian society because over the course of these seven books, where there is great deal of tragedy, a great deal of social upheaval, no one ever learns anything. No one ever starts to question the world they live in or why things are the way they are, how they can change things for the better. We never learn like Harry and his friends in the Order of the Phoenix, Dumbledore's army, those who stand up against Voldemort. We never learn what they believe in. They're just there to fight against Voldemort. But okay, what, what's the world Voldemort believes in? What what does he want from it? And what do they? What is their counter belief? Apart from oh, I hate Muggleborns. And no, <laughs> Muggleborns are just like us. They deserve to go to Hogwarts. We are never given any kind of ideals in in the story where this society that we meet has so many issues, which we will be getting into. The, the characters never care about that. It's not important. What's important is defeating Voldemort. So to get a little bit more into this, the series ends for those spoiler alerts, even though it's been ages and you guys don't need spoiler alerts anymore. Dumbledore dies! Uh, <laughs> well, there's that, but Voldemort is ultimately defeated by Harry. It's not clear how this happens or why, but that's for a later date. But Voldemort's defeated. And with that, we jump forward into the future and are assured that the world is a better place now, but everything seems to be exactly the same. There are no creatures attending Hogwarts. They all seem to be children. They are all the children of characters we know. We don't have anyone specifically pointed out who is a um, character from somebody who might not have been able to go to Hogwarts for whatever reason. We have Teddy Lupin there, but he is not pointed out to have uh, lycanthropy like his father. That, that is a huge thing, in fact, that he is a normal kid so far. Um, and Lupin is very happy about that, at least before he dies. And, uh, and, yes, uh, <laughs> before he dies. There is every indication. So the point being is that the society hasn't changed. The people in top seem to be Harry and friends, but Malfoy still has a position at the ministry and we're never given any indication that he learned something from his adventures as a Death Eater. Voldemort just died and then he stopped being a Death Eater because there was no one to eat death with. Everything is exactly the same. Harry never realized that he cut off the head of a Hydra, that the very distinct social problems that were plaguing his country are still there. He never realizes that. Uh, no character ever seems to realize that. It's always about defeating Tom Riddle. And if we do that, everything will go away. Everything will be great and perfect. And there will be no issue because Tom Riddle is the root of all evil. And he dies and nothing changes. And if we take Cursed Child into account, which I generally do not, then they grow up to have the same issues as their parents, where being sorted into Slytherin is a horrible, horrible tragedy. I mean, that is actually in the epilogue. Albus Severus is being teased about how oh, he might true. end up in Slytherin, and then Harry has to comfort him like, oh, I will love you anyway. How I know, it's the worst, Harry. the worst speech. Mm -hmm. I named you after Albus Severus, the bravest men I knew, one of whom was in Slytherin. And we'll get into this, but oh, Albus Dumbledore, whatever you feel about him, he did horrible things to Harry. He was not a good man. He did yeah. vile things. And Snape is a bit complicated, but ultimately he too did vile things. He may have done it for, you know, not even for just causes. He, he was really just a terrible person. The uh, caveat being he was not as evil as Harry thought he was. So he had that whole flip. But anyway, 
It's all right, Albus Severus, because you were named after Severus Snape, who turned out to be a great dude, even though he was a Slytherin. My God, has Harry learned a lot. Also, while this is, we'll be doing uh, at least one episode of The Wizarding World, but something that I find very interesting about The Wizarding World is that it is quite believably a world that was cut off from the rest of, is that it was a community that was cut off from the rest of the world in the 1600s in the way they teach at Hogwarts, in the in the way media functions, in a lot of things, that this is a world that skipped out on the Enlightenment and that has grown only more and more insular and, you know, suspicious of what, what is unknown and that that's not just the purebloods with um, Muggleborn status. Also, you know, people like Arthur Weasley who are essentially one large cult which sli- with slightly different factions, but they're also goddamn weird and they don't realize it because they are a p- group of people who have been cut off since the 1600s with no real interactions with the outside world. Yeah, so that's definitely worthy of an episode. So I will resist temptation to comment more on that here. We, we're running out of time because uh, something we <laughs> promised in the last episode, and I'm sure people will call us on, is we promised to go into Tom Riddle being a romantic. So there's your heresy for the day. Tom Riddle the romantic. Vanel, you want to start up with that? Okay, I'll just start off with saying that Muffin and I, we have a very particular view on Tom Riddle. We, I'll just straight out admit that he is our favorite character. He's a very fascinating, not a, not a particularly good person, but he is not evil incarnate either. And he, we think he has very good reasons to be the way he is and, why, and turning out and doing the things that he did. And part of our heresy, which apparently makes a lot of people go, wow, you guys are weird, is the fact that we think he seems to be <laughs> quite the romantic side. Take the so to get, I guess to get into this a bit is um, I'll go ahead because I think I was the one who first made a post about it. First, take out the idea of traditional romance of, you know, finding a person out there who is right for you. And let's look at his actions throughout the series. He always is picking horcruxes that are significant to his life, either personally or uh, British wizarding tradition. He picks out things that are important, not necessarily things that won't be found. His traps are very grandiose and make the object sort of the center of attention. You know, you go through an Indiana Jones temple to get uh, the ring or whatever it is you're getting. And to me, that indicates that Tom Riddle has this worldview where he grows up this impoverished orphan and he wants to be important. He believes that the world is shaped by great men, that history should confine itself to you. So he's sort of a romantic in the sense that if you've seen the film Patton, there's a remark made about Patton in the film that the man is a romantic, that he picks certain places for battle because he has this inherent sense of romance where he wants the world to have this narrative that things are grand and important and everything has significance and you don't blend into the crowd. Your life has meaning. Tom Riddle is that to a T. He wants to be important. He wants to be this grand figure. He wants to leave Tom Riddle behind and bury it in the past. And uh, the world obliges him for the most part, actually. Even Dumbledore does because Dumbledore actually is much the same in that regard. But um, to me, that always led me to think that if not getting into the too much the can Tom Riddle feel love or not, we side on the side of yes. It's a bit complicated, though. But if he were to pursue someone, it would be the grandest, most uh, best star-crossed lovers 
imaginable. You know, no mundane casual relationship would do because it wouldn't have that inherent sense of importance to it. It wouldn't suit Voldemort. It wouldn't suit the person he wants to be. And so that's Tom Riddle, the romantic in a nutshell. Anything to add? No, I think that was beautiful. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Wizards do not seem to know what magic is. There you go. <laughs> that's your tagline, because that's definitely going to be an episode of ours. I imagine we'll be doing a title very, very similar to it. What the hell is magic? Wizards don't know. I can see that. Yeah, they have but no yes. idea. I'm sorry, Which... I cannot help interrupting you. No, yeah, we're doing bad today, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they have no idea what magic is, and we'll definitely be getting into that. And I don't blame it for them, because that is actually harder than you would think to be able to think in such a manner. It is not intuitive, and a lot of it, as Vanel pointed out earlier, is informed by the Enlightenment. We stand upon the shoulders of uh, giants in the intellectual realm, and we're still doing so. Anyway... It is time for Torgrim to blow somebody up. So for those who are new to the show, every episode we have various patrons, and if they're of a certain tier, they get onto a list where Torgrim, our finger-snapping vampire, will make them explode. We'll probably be explaining that more in some episode, or, or probably not. Let's just make them... They can it's just on wonder. our Tumblrs. You, if, you, if you're too lazy to check out our Tumblr, then F you. <laughs> No Torgrim for you. With that in mind, I am now going to make Torgrim snap. (gasps) Oh, he blew up Franja. (laughs) Franja's been blown up twice now. I love it. Franja is our artist. She is the one who made our beautiful um, avatar, the uh, blonde woman with a tinfoil hat, (laughs) which is our avatar because we are both women who are blonde. And wear tinfoil hats constantly. Yeah, uh, all my friends are begging me to stop doing that, but I refuse. Yeah, well, the aliens anyway. won't read your mind, so you are protected. Anyway, okay. French are just blew up all over again. Which is amazing. Uh, it's so... blown up, but... Um, yeah, know, just it's stitched you back together. Glory. Oh my god. Yeah, all that hard work. That revolution. And now you're just in to... yep. God, that's so <laughs> awful. Yeah, I'm just imagining bleeding chunks everywhere and the fine pink Mm. mist. It's amazing we we got got her back together again. But uh, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. We got to stop blowing her up. That's not good for us. Do you know anybody? (laughs) Uh, There's always my art. (laughs) I repeat, do we know anyone? All right. So with that, (laughs) follow us on whatever platform you happen to be listening to. We are on quite a few. Tend to talk about this show on Tumblr. We have Tumblr called Rank Heresy. Go there if you want to follow for the latest updates and whatnot. Become a Patreon and you get access to bonus episodes, a Discord where you can talk to us directly. And we do various nonsense that's fun and described on Patreon. So I'm not going to bore you here. And uh, anything else? Nope. Oh, wait, next time is probably, uh, what are we doing? Star Wars. Let's do Star Wars. Oh, yeah, Star Wars. I think Star Wars did get the next number of votes. So I think Star Wars is next. Always that. In case I don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and goodbye.